Once Lavelle Edwards became the head coach of the BYU football program in the 1970s, the Cougars became known for their high-powered passing attack. This new, innovative style of offense has led to numerous national awards and records for the Cougars. The offense that was established under Coach Edwards not only changed the way BYU played football, but altered the way teams across the country played the game forever. This is BYU Offense, a history of innovation. I remember when uh, I was introduced into the BYU Hall of Fame and Coach Edwards uh, was introduced me. And uh, he looked at the, through the crowd and he says, you know, he says, if this didn't work, Gary, he says, when I went to the passing game, he says, you, you probably wouldn't be up here. He says, and I don't know how many years I'd have been able to coach him, but I probably wouldn't have been up here also. You know, but what we did was something different. You know, we went out on a limb, we took a chance. Nobody else was doing that. You know, very few people were doing that. And, uh, and I love to throw the ball. I could always, you know, throw the ball, and I was pretty accurate, and, and I felt that I could, you know, go on to the next level. So I was just looking at where, which school was the best opportunity for me to go to that next level. And I just think with, with Coach Edwards, he had that vision. He had the ability to really look into the future and say, if we're going to get to a certain point, this is how we're going to do it, and we're going to do it with a passing game. And then each quarterback that followed me, then, you know, had something to shoot for. You know, I remember when Mark Wilson said, Gary, the reason I went to BYU is because of how you were doing there, you know, how you were throwing the ball and stuff, you know, and then and what Gifford did then, then brought others into the, you know, into the fold. And then what these guys did, you know, Mark and Steve and Jim and, you know, and uh, Ty and th- those guys brought other guys into the fold. So someone has to start it, you know, and, and the guinea pigs really were Coach Edwards and, and me. And if we weren't successful... I don't know what would happen with the BYU passing game, but we were, and it just took off, and now it's changed the game of football. I just decided that at BYU, uh, we had to do something differently. Uh, We're not going to get and recruit the type of people that could line up and run over and whatever, but we had a kid that first year named Pete Van Valkenburg that led the nation in rushing. And because uh, we, we, we didn't have a quarterback to control. So when he recruited me on his recruiting spiel, he said, Gary, we're going to throw the football. I said, Coach, I want to believe you. I said, but you just had the leading running back in the nation. You know, he's a great running back. And uh, what, what makes me think that you would switch from that to go to pass it? He says, I just want to tell you. He says, we will throw the ball. We cannot compete with the teams we're going to play down the road running the ball, but we know we can compete with the passing game. So he says, we are going to throw the ball. And uh, I made up my mind, that, and I've thought a lot about this, how I was still not dissuaded away from uh, throwing the ball by going to this kind of an offense that we were running with Pete. But I went to that throwing the ball, and and we had the only losing year that I had in my career, and but we stayed with it in the third year. We came along, lost the first two or three games, and then won seven or zero, and went to the first bowl game in the history of the school, and that's how it all got started. And Dewey Warren had that, that out of Tennessee, the Swamp Rat, uh, came in and he put in an offense, and 
And he, he told me the first day of practice, he says, whatever they do is wrong. He says, it doesn't matter where the drop is. You know, if the linebacker drops in the weak zone, you go, to the, you go inside. If he drops over the middle, then you go outside. You know, whatever he does is wrong. I put him in slots. I did motion. I did everything. But I, I, the one thing that I did that I look back on, I did it on a number system. And all, everyone just remembered the number. If I called 56, everybody knew what a 6 was and a 50 was a sprint out or a pull-up. 70 may have been two backs out. Uh, 61 back out and the other back blocking. So they knew to run the flare, they knew to run the flat, knew to run the, the circle routes. Just remember numbers. That's all you have to run. And the quarterback say right or left, tight end go that way. We split the tight end out. We put him out four or five yards out. We tried to make it as tough on defenses as we could. I gave the staff responsibilities. I mean, I let them, I, I let them work at it, and, and I wasn't in there trying to change things around either offensively or defensively. The toughest part of the whole process was I didn't know that much about throwing the ball, so I didn't didn't interfere there much. Just I let them. I remember the uh, first time we were on about the three-yard line and uh, going in for touchdown, and on first down, the coach called, and I don't even remember who it was, called a forward pass, and I about fell. You know, in my own mind, I thought, what in the world? You know, you, you just don't do that on, in, you know, inside the five-yard line. And and uh, he scored a touchdown, and not much you can say, but... Uh, so, I mean, just the mindset of doing it changed a lot. He didn't need to be the guy. He didn't need to be the genius. And coaches gravitated to that. They recognized that this is a guy that's going to let me do my job. He's going to let me get the credit for it. And assistant coaches, you know, we've all been there in terms of how am I going to progress in the, progress in the profession. Um, and Lavelle allowed that. He, he was fine that Wally English and, and Doug Scoville and Mike Holmgren and, and Ted Tolner and, and, and uh, Norm Chow became the gurus, the genius, and got all the credit for it. And that was, that was fine with him. He was going to let that happen and nurture it because he knew, as I learned going forward, that if you can do that, this is going to be a place people are going to want to come. And, and now you're going to get an advantage because people are going to kind of, kind of want to come work for you because this can be a platform for them in their career. He was such a unique individual. You know, he, um, he hired coaches that he trusted and he loved coach. And he'd always say that, you know, you know we're, we're of a different era. You go back to, to Fred Whitting, Kyle Whittingham's dad, Fred, and uh, Doug Scoville and Ted Tolmer. He hired those fellows and he let them coach. And, and, and he'd say that. He said, that's why I hired you, the coach. I'll take care of all the other stuff, you know, all the making sure the kids went to school and stayed out of trouble. And, and, and he was so confident in, in, in that dynamic that it, it worked well. This program here is built on that foundation. And all the luxuries that we have here at BYU started because of him and his vision. And that vision was clear. And he would never give himself any praise about it at all. As a matter of fact, he downplayed it to the point of it being ridiculous. Uh, but he had a vision. He was a defensive mind uh, and a good defensive mind. He's a brilliant guy. And in his own simple way, um, he was able to take the complex, simplify it, and make it great. And, and that's what he did. 
he looked at offenses and he said, listen, we just led the nation in rushing with Pete Von Valkenburg. Um, and that wasn't good enough. Couldn't win games. So as a defensive coordinator, this is what I feel is the toughest to defend and then looked at my team and said, this is what I've got here to work with. And I can teach these guys down to the inch how to run a route. And, and maybe I can't do it, but I can get somebody to do that down, down to the inch. And I'll, I'll still be that defensive guy, but I can go get offensive guys that can teach this thing. And it can take over college football. In his mind, that's really what he did. And, and, uh, and then that carried over. I, I saw it as an NFL coach. When I came into the league, everybody said that I threw the ball too much. And they hammered me on it. And, and, and now they tell you, you cannot win in the National Football League without throwing the ball. Where did that start? That started with Lavelle Edwards. So, I mean, he touched not only the college football world and changed it, uh, but he also changed professional football, which is genius. I don't know that Lavelle probably gets his due because he wasn't integrally involved on the day-to-day growth of the offense. Certainly as the head coach, he built the, the stage for that to allow for it to formulate going forward. Uh, but because he wasn't involved with it and went through so many different coordinators, I don't think he gets the credit he is due for basically setting the stage and, and committing to that style of play and saying, yes, it's okay to throw the ball every down. Yes, we'll commit to that. Yes, we'll recruit to it. Because it's not just a matter of saying, okay, we'll do this. You're changing an entire structure of the way things have done in terms of the way you're going to recruit athletes, the way you're going to nurture them. Uh, the defense has got to buy in because it's, you know, there's, there's some three and outs now where, you know, the defensive coordinator is going like, you know, can, can I buy a vowel here? Can I buy a run? Can, can we try to? But so it's not just a matter of getting the offensive side. You've got to recruit to and create a format where the offensive side is buying in to both the structure and the style. The defense understands this is the way we're going to do business. So that's going to dictate how you're going to, you're going to do your side of the ball as well. And, and, and it took a head coach with the firmness, yet the, the servant leader mentality that Lavelle Edward has to say, guys, this is what we're doing. Buy in. Drink the Kool-Aid. This is what you know. This is how it's going to happen, and we're going to make and 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 him nurturing that all the way through to then once once the success, success starts to come and you recognize yeah this is pretty good and we we can have this kind of success then that success breeds success. As, as passing began to get hold and more people saw it as a genuine, uh, credible offense, once it saw some success that begat more success, and I think that's kind of where Lavelle fits into it. I mean, he gave the passing game such credibility on a national scale that it didn't really have. Passing was something you did if you couldn't play real football. But Lavelle showed that was baloney. Third down play. Bosco looking. Michigan gives them a tough ball game to the end. Yet they came back from a lot of adversity. 
Scotty had thrown but one pass until the fourth quarter of game three, but that one was for a touchdown. The junior college transfer then awoke the slumbering Cougar offense with an eight-game display which put him number two in national passing statistics. His favorite target, the Speedy Miller, caught an even 100 passes to rank as the top receiver in the country. He looked like Joe Namath. Board number 12, humped over, had a quick release. If we could tell one guy to do something, run a deep post, run a takeoff, you know, fake one, tell Gary, fake one way and throw the other, he was really good at it. Oh, he just, he ate defenses alive. I'm telling you, he did. Shady was good at improvisation, taking advantage of opportunity. Shady chopped up the BYU and WAC record books, breaking nine individual marks. Miller also set nine records and went Shady one better when he broke an NCAA record with 22 receptions in one game. And I still, to this day, I'm still mad at Utah because they cost me the national passing championship. We were playing in the last game of the season, and I was battling Steve Barkowski, who went to Cal. Uh, we were both number one and two in the, in the nation in passing. And I had a lead on them. They went, back then, they went by number of passes completed. Well, Utah was so bad that we took the opening kickoff and ran it all the way for a touchdown. And then, as we got the ball, they were just retreating. They took eight to nine guys falling back into pass defense, so we ran the ball on them, you know, so it was too easy to run the ball. And we got up by so many points. Long story short, I can only complete something like nine out of 13 passes, whatever it was. I only threw 13 or 14 times. And Barkowski uh, played uh, Stanford, and he hit uh, 30 or something. It was a barn-burning 34 to 31 game, and he beat me by one pass for the national passing championship. So I'm still mad at Utah. They'd have been more competitive than I'd have been a national passing champion. Boy, did he put on a show. Oh, man, we run five receivers. We run four. We run motion. And it was set up to be get your good receivers on weak defensive backs. And they didn't. a lot of people had not seen that type of offense which now they call it the West Coast offense. Back then, it was BYU passing game. And Lavelle always said, I'm glad I'm a head coach and not a defensive coach because you didn't drive them nuts. Success breeds success. So as there was uh, the beginning of those that, you know, the Bill Walshes and we can throw the ball and, gee, we like this artistic end of it and 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 the seven-on-seven um, seven camps in high school are beginning to burgeon a little bit that all of a sudden now you're tapping in, whoa, you're throwing the ball. I get to go someplace and throw the ball 45 and 50 times, that that expanded where others were not doing that. You could tap into a recruiting pool and sit down with a young quarterback like a Gary Scheide and say, yeah, we're going to let you throw the ball 50 times a game. And you bring in a Doug Scoville to kind of refine the passing game and put a little more structure to it that then gets enhanced with every coordinator that you turn it over to. I was a product of great teammates, and I was the one that just made sure that I was making the right reads and pulling the right trigger in this offense. And because of that, and because of the way I was schooled by Doug Scoville, we had tremendous success far beyond our own imagination. I mean, to become an All-American quarterback after playing basketball for two years in just one season is absolutely remarkable. It just really doesn't happen. But that was the power of the offense. And so, um, you know, to be part of that and then to know that the honors were going to come and to really believe in what 
what uh, Lavelle said, that this is not an individual sport. We're preparing you for something far greater than this. But then to have the accolades come, All-American quarterback and, and a few national honors other than that, and then to be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, it's very special. And then to watch what happened behind me, because when I was injured, then Mark Wilson came in and just excelled and was just fabulous. And the guy that wanted to play behind us, we knew every day at practice we had to be really good because Jim McMahon wanted to play. And he was so talented. And so to be the first one, as soon as Mark became an All-American, I said, well, he's going to follow me in the Hall of Fame. And then Jim's going to follow him in the Hall of Fame. Steve Young's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Ty Detmer's going to be in the College Football Hall of Fame. Gordon Hudson's going to be in the College Football Hall of Fame. And, you know, you, you just look at the, the players that just came after us and how they excelled because of the foundation that was already set. It's just remarkable. And it happened right here in Provo, Utah. You have to be old enough to remember 1981, 1982, 1980, you know, the year we went to play uh, the uh, Holiday Bowl against SMU. Jim McMahon was a phenom. I mean, he threw, and we were, you know, people were throwing the ball. Who was throwing the ball in 1981? Miami, maybe a little bit. Stanford, a little bit. But we were killing it, throwing the ball. No one else was throwing the ball like we were throwing it. And Jim was, I mean, 700 yards a game. About 200, 300. Like, it was incredible. He'd have 400 yards at halftime. My desire, you know, that, that has gotten me this far. And I think uh, without that, you know, I couldn't be as competitive or, uh, you know, want to win as bad as I, as I do. You know, I, I'm a guy that hates to lose. And uh, I do everything I can to try to make us win. And I know when we first, we went to the first bowl game, everybody was so excited because that was the first bowl game in the history of the school. And, uh, and the first two or three were, were very, very exciting. Down there in San Diego and can't think of a better place to go at uh, Christmas time than, than, than down San Diego. And uh, but by the time we got around to that fifth game, uh, bowl game, then all of a sudden, the pressure was: uh, when are we going to win one? You know, it wasn't a matter now whether we're going because we start going every year. And uh, the pressure now was to win one. It is fourth down, one yard to go for a first down. Eight minutes and 39 seconds left in the game. BYU calls for punt formation. I'm not sure that SMU believes that uh, Brigham Young is going to punt. And maybe Brigham Young is not too sure because a timeout has been called. I sent the punting team in, and Jim saw him come in, and he stood up and waved him back. And he said, get out, you know, go on back. And they turned around and looked at me, and I'd get in, get in there, you know. I was worrying about the 25-second clock, which... At that point in time, wouldn't have made a whole lot of difference because we're getting beat anyway. And so, anyway, we, I called timeout, and Jim came over the sideline, and he was very, very uh, excited about the fact that hey, he made this comment. He said, "You coaches have quit." He said, "We haven't quit," and uh, and he was all fired up. And uh, so, okay, Jim, relax and go in there. And so he. Give him a play, and he goes in. We go on down, score. They 
They've elected not to punt the ball away with 8.39 left in the game. They've elected to go for the first down, and they have it on the pass to tight end Clay Brown all the way down to the 42-yard line of SMU. To the outside, and Phillips gets it in. We get within 13 minutes now, five or six minutes, and and we try an onside kick, and they get it. And uh, first play, the guy runs a little quick pitch outside, and then he goes about 50 about 50 yards for a touchdown. And looking back on it, um, it, it one of the better things that happened to us was the fact that it only took about 10. 15 seconds for him to score, or we'd run out of time otherwise. They kicked off to us, and then we drove on down and scored and got it back within 13. And then uh, we went on down and not only got it down to six points, and uh, they had the ball. This is Eric Dickerson to the outside, and he does not get anything more than a yard or so, thanks to a great play by cornerback Bill Shefflin. They are rolling the clock. Yep. And they ran three straight plays, and we stopped them, and it was fourth down. And about, oh, I don't know, 25, 30 seconds left. And uh, we blocked the punt. Now remember, if they punt the ball by Sikahima, who has run back a punt for a touchdown, is back for Brigham Young. But remember, too, that the Cougars have 10 men up on the line. They might try to block this punt. And there is by Sikahima, the freshman from Mesa, Arizona. Big rush. Got it. They blocked it. The ball is at the 41-yard line of SMU. 13 seconds left. Brigham Young has a chance. Tells us how much time remains here at the third annual Holiday Bowl. Brigham Young has been here now for every one of these bowls. Lost to Navy, the first one. Lost by one point to Indiana last year. Down by six now. Three seconds left. Third and ten at the SMU 41-yard line. McMahon all the way back at his own 46. Throwing for the end zone. Receivers are there. Defenders are there. It is in the end zone. truly remarkable uh, series there at the end, how it all unfolded and him threw two passes that were batted down and with three seconds to go he launched another 50-yarder and it came right down in the middle of the end zone. Clay Brown went up and took it away from three SMU guys and uh, came down with the ball and we kicked the extra point and won the game. First bowl game that we hadn't won. I think we'd been to four, three or four of them before and hadn't won one and that was our first victory. Uh, I, I, I look back on those, uh, my career and, and I think that was the most relieved that I've ever felt about, about a game that's finally getting that monkey off her back, so to speak. <laughs> BYU Offense, a history of innovation, is brought to you by Brady Industries. Honestly better.
and by Intermountain Healthcare, healing for life. Young back to pass, good blocking again, gets the pass off of the end zone, it's caught for a touchdown! Kiyomalo made a leaping catch in the end zone, up over a Utah defender. Young was forced to throw the ball because the Utes were on top of it. I remember when we played, and now I'm post-Gifford, post-Mark, post-Jim. I mean, we've been doing it a while. And we'd, when I played, we'd play Wyoming or North New Mexico, and, and you'd hear defenders just screaming and yelling, like, it's not right, it's not fair, we don't know what's going, you know, what's going on, we can't keep track. Like, that was 10 years later. And they were still baffled by what we were trying to accomplish, and they couldn't fathom that these kind of, what in their minds, mediocre athletes, because we, we gelled together, we worked hard together, we, we were orchestrated, we were, we were, it's a dance step. I always said passing, the NFL and, and the pro passing game, and, and, and ours was very pro in, the, in BYU, was an was a orchestration, it's a, it's a dance step. And we were timed up. Everyone knew their timing, and no one could keep track of us. And uh, uh, when I see Tom Brady, what he's doing and what Peyton did in the 2000s, it was an extension of what we were back doing in the 1980s in college. It's like taking advantage of the, of the intricacies of the relationship between coach, I mean, from quarterback to receiver so that no matter what happens, we, you and I have a plan. And they've perfected that in even today. You know, that that's the, they've just taken it further and further and further because uh, defenders can't, you cannot defend, a, uh, no matter who the athlete is, you cannot defend them if they know exactly what to do in the time's right. Because how many times did, uh, uh, you know, name the, name the player in those systems that, like, why is he so great in the system? Because he understands timing, he understands spatial relationships, and the quarterback knows what he's doing. You can't stop it. And uh, Doug made the declaration that Steve would never be a quarterback at BYU because he had never thrown a drop-back pass prior to coming to BYU. And uh, then fortunately for Steve and all of us, Doug got a job and went somewhere, and it was a guy named Ted Tolner that came in. And Ted, a couple years, a year or so later, and Ted was, uh, you know, he was instrumental in making, putting us, having Steve when it became time for Steve's turn to be the quarterback, and uh, that he would, he would definitely be a good one. And so... Because you know what had happened is that during the off season, Steve on his own would go down in the field house, get a bag of balls, and he'd watch Jim McMahon. And because uh, Jim had great technique and great feet and feel and set him step and throw and and uh, and so and then Jim or Steve just on his own talked to him a lot and I went back and just worked on the drops himself and literally made himself into into a quarterback that uh, that could run this kind of an offense. I just spun it out of my hand. I thought that's how you threw the football. No one ever told me. And that was so hard. And I saw these guys throw the ball so hard. I'm like, how do they do it? Because you can't throw the ball hard just spinning it out of your hand. And I was horrible at it. And all of a sudden I saw Jim and I just kept watching him throw. And he'd throw and his, his finger would come up here and it would end up down like this. I'm like, how is he doing that? And then I, and I would just copy him. And one day, I, maybe November, right around November, the end of the season, I was fiddling with it, and all of a sudden it just happened. It was like a moment where it was like, and like, oh my gosh, you can get behind it. 
you can kind of rip at it and then still throw a great spiral. Well, when I got there, Steve uh, was the heir apparent, and and so we met, and clearly a um, super talented athlete. Um, and I think we hit it off right away. And, uh, you know, Norm Chow was the, and Roger French were the coordinators. You know, Roger was the coordinator, but Norm called the plays and, and kind of ran the offense a little bit. Um, and so I was there to deal with strictly the quarterbacks and, and get them to be technically sound and, and, and maybe buffer between when things get excited between the staff, the head coach, and the quarterback. I found out I needed those people later in life for me. People build into what really works. And by the time I got there in 1980, that stuff was probably a number of, you know, touched a number of hands as it kind of iterated. But uh, uh, Lavelle, I got to give him a lot of credit because he recognized that if we were at BYU going to actually beat Texas A&M, if we were actually going to go and, you know, f- fight Georgia and anyone else, if we're actually going to be really good, like, great, we're beating Utah, we're beating New Mexico, we're beating Wyoming, but if we're actually going to go beat USC and UCLA, we got to do, we got to really stay with this throwing thing. And I think that uh, I, I give him a lot of credit because throwing the ball is hairy stuff. And I, I remember when uh, we played Georgia and I threw five interceptions in the first half, my second game I ever played. And I would have benched me 100%. Like, what are you doing? And Lavelle's like at halftime, he says, look, um, how are you doing? I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I faked it. I was like, I'm doing great. You know, I'll figure it out. And he goes, well, you know, we, we got to keep throwing it. So you got to figure out how to not throw it to the other team, you know. And I just, I always thought that was an amazing moment because at Georgia, a big moment for BYU nationally, this new quarterback that's supposed to replace Jim McMahon is like horrific. And it's like, hey, look, buddy. Uh, we're throwing the ball, and you better figure it out fast. And I was like, that's a heck of a thing. Like, I would have benched me and, and started to run the ball because the game was at, I think the halftime was like 7-3. We're fine. We're, I think we're actually up. And uh, so he was, I give him a lot of credit for being completely committed to throwing the football. Here comes BYU back on the field. The Cougars face fourth and 10 on the Missouri 25-yard line. That shows a lot of art. They want the victory. They don't want to tie. Missouri 17, Brigham Young 14. And the Cougars are down to what might be their last play of the year. Hey, watch this one. Football excitement. Young says, quiet down, crowd. Young signaling something from the line of scrimmage. He's back to pass. Here's the throw. It's caught. Brigham Young on the Missouri 14-yard line, 31 seconds. But remember, time now. They've got to get the clock stopped. If they're tackled on the field, they might not get another play away. Running play, Stinnett to throw, throws it back to Young. Young touches the ball!
Because if you threw the ball or wanted to coach a quarterback, or you want to play quarterback or, or coach a quarterback or be famous throwing the football back in the 1980s, you had to be at BYU. And then teams came along. Like I said, Miami came along pretty quickly by the end of the 80s. Bernie Kosar was throwing it for Miami around with Schellenberg and those guys. And Stanford with John Elway, you know, a little bit. It was happening at a few schools. But if you want to throw the ball and you wanted to be a pro, you came to BYU. Well, that was one of the main reasons why I came to BYU on my recruiting trip and why I wanted to sign a letter of intent to come here was because of the quarterback tradition they had. Uh, it was remarkable to see the numbers that they were putting up and the, how many points they could score. And it seemed like each year they would get better and better. And you have Mark Wilson, who has a remarkable season. Then comes along Jim McMahon, who breaks 80-some-odd records and a, and a Steve Young. And then, you know, it just goes on and on. And, and that's what's exciting. It's exciting to be able to be in that spotlight and to be able to see if you can try to do something that – better than your uh, quarterback that was before you. You know, it's interesting. We had about five or six of them right in a row that made All-American. And uh, and then we went for a few years and then had Ty Detmer that made All-American and won the Heisman. And uh, uh, in my own mind, people have always asked me how I'd rate them. And even if I could, I never would. And... uh, at least publicly, but even in my own mind, I've uh, I've tried to figure out who, if I were to start a team, which one would I really want to go with? And I'd think about somebody, one of them, and then all of a sudden, boy, I, you know, no, so-and-so is also, you know, pretty good. And uh, so it, it, it was very difficult to, uh, yeah. and even, like I said, even in my own mind, I don't, I, I don't know who would probably just slip a coin and go from there. Never in my wildest dreams ever thought that uh, that I'd even be a head coach in college, let alone have the kind of success. And then uh, BYU had never had great success in football, and they'd hired and fired coaches about every four or five years. And uh, then when I took over, uh, I just thought, well, I'm going to get fired anyway, so I might as well try something differently and see how it works out. Cougar quarterback Ty Detmer, only a junior, looking to pass for a TD. Bounces out of the pocket, waiting, waiting. Here's the pass, touchdown! And you got to give Ty Detmer credit again because he just danced all over the place. They couldn't bring him down, and he finally threw it in the end zone. You hope that you can follow in their footsteps and be one of the All-Americans that had played here. And and then it was a great uh, step stool for the NFL because you're running a pro type of offense. And and that really intrigued me too, um, knowing that if you did get to play at BYU, it was going to be a great foundation for an opportunity to at least try to get to the NFL and, and have a, a system that continued to you continue to progress in. The winner of the 1990 Heisman Award, whose name is Ty Detmer. Ty Detmer of BYU. Ty Detmer. Well, I, I think uh, the quarterbacks before me kind of set the, the tone for me to be able to win the Heisman because they'd finish second, third, you know, fourth, fifth. They'd always up in the running. Um, but 
you know, for whatever reason, never actually won the trophy. So uh, I think for me, it was seeing validation for those guys that came before and for Lavelle, you know, just having him excited that, you know, finally one of his guys won it and just blessed to be able to to be the guy that did. But I think everybody was a part of that because they built it and and put it on the map and and, and, uh, really paved the way for me to be able to have that opportunity. Our senior season, that 96 season, we started off with a win that I really think catapulted that team on the, on the season that we had, and we ended up beating a, a top-five ranked Texas A&M team there in Provo, and it really came down to the very end. I threw a go-route there to K.O. Kalalui down our sidelines for a touchdown to, to, for a comeback victory. Well, they show a regular rush. Deep ball. This one is for every Cougar fan who remembers what happened to Detmer in the Holiday Bowl. Then we end up in the Cotton Bowl against Kansas State, and fitting enough, my last pass of my college career is in the final minute of that game to hit K.O. Kalalui on a corner out uh, for a touchdown to win that ball game. Good protection, it's for Kalalui touchdown. Hey, we're 14-1. We set a NCAA record for wins. We, we won our first New Year's Day bowl game, and we're going to finish top five in the country. For the fifth time all year earlier tonight, inside the 20. After the fake pitch, Doman, has to add in. Here's open. Luke Staley, touchdown. 30 yards away. Another shotgun option. They still don't have With Gary, we ran a lot of different offense, and Gary's a really smart guy, kind of a mad scientist offensively. We did a lot offensively, and then um, Bronco took over as the head coach and retained me, brought in Robert and I as the offensive coordinator. Robert was coming from Texas Tech. Um, and so he brought a version of the old BYU offense. He was there with Mike Leach. But we realized, I think, in a fairly short amount of time that the version of offense that BYU had run for years was one that really was fit to this place. And so we adapted it a little bit more and utilized the skill that we had, which in particular involved our tight ends and running backs a little bit more. They have McCain up on Harleen, but they have someone behind him. They have to go to the end zone. Final play of the game, barring a penalty. All the time in the world for Beck. Can anybody get open for him? He'll roll right. Let's it go. Finds this guy. Touchdown. Johnny Harleen comes all the way across the field. Beck finds him, and it's a touchdown in BYU. Swarms the field. They win it. The toughest thing is to go from the tough years to the good years. That, that, that swing, that change, that's the toughest part to go through. Um, and the quarterback position, tons falls on your shoulders. And I look back now just grateful that I went through it, and I feel lucky because there's, there's kind of like that time that, you know, hey, you look at BYU football when things got back going, and I look at, you know, the guys that were juniors and seniors together, that, that core group of guys, we got to be there for a special part of BYU football, and it's neat to see the program now just at crazy heights right now. It's, it's awesome. 
at the seven yard line and the 16th play of the drive with your senior quarterback trying to get it in the end zone. You'll know in a second if he does. Hall to the end zone. Touchdown! We went up tempo on him. Everybody executed. We made the plays that we had to. We converted a fourth down, and then McKay caught the touchdown pass. So um, um, I, I was proud to see those guys go out there and, and do what we had to do to beat the number three team in the country. It was kind of cool to see us move back to that offense, um, one that really emphasized those positions that I think created a, um, a sustainable, competitive um, advantage for, for BYU's offense for a number of years. So third and ten for BYU. Texas defense needs to stop. Here's when he's at his best, and he does it again. Taysom Hill, they don't have an answer for him. You know, I, I would say I had a lot of really good mentors when I got to college at BYU, Riley Nelson and uh, John Beck and Max Hall and some of these guys that had come before me, and the list goes on and on, and Steve. Um, and I will say I learned from their experience. You know, they all had separate conversations with me about how to handle the pressure at college you know, there was a lot of expectation, I feel like, at the quarterback position at BYU. On second down, Hill steps out of pressure and has the seam for a first down and more. Hurdles his way. Highlight reel. Touchdown. BYU moves to 2-0 with a statement win against Texas. Second consecutive season. They roll the Big 12's Longhorns. Everything starts at the quarterback position for you to have a successful offense. And so I feel like there's been so many great ones come through BYU. And, we, you know, the list goes on and on. We all know the, the greats that have come through here. And so the expectation was so high. And I felt like managing that expectation from the fan base, from the coaches, your teammates, and making sure that you're working hard to try to, you know, eclipse that and try to get in, you know, that conversation was a lot of pressure. And uh, anywhere in the NFL, you're going to have that same pressure because you're trying to, you know, make a team, get to a second contract, whatever it is. I felt like th this place was so unique in that way that um, the preparation to the NFL was, you know, I, I don't know where else I could have been, you know, better prepared. <laughs> BYU Offense, a history of innovation, is brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward, and by Siegfried & Jensen, serving Utah families for over 25 years. Squally Canada lowers the boom into the end zone. BYU, they've got the lead back. The second touchdown rushing this afternoon for Squally Canada. The play gets off. It's heading left. No good. Yeah, I mean, whenever you can can boast about all the quarterbacks that have played here, you know, and that have gone on and uh, you look at the things that they've done at the next level. But you look at the accolades and the, the awards and the things that they've done here currently as, as a student athlete and as a quarterback, that, that plays into um, a lot of those um, 
the tradition and the culture that happens here. So it, it's not really anything that you have to boast about. It's already happened throughout the years. And, and whether it was Lavelle Edwards as the head coach or Gary Croton or Bronco Mendenhall or myself, I think it's important that we remember our roots and remember what, what uh, really put BYU on the map and what Lavelle was able to, to do. You know, and I think this is an offensive guy that's, that coached on defense and now is considered a defensive coach, but my roots are all ingrained in the offensive style that, that we played here at BYU, and it's uh, allowed me to become a better coach. So uh, overall, that offense has allowed so many different opportunities, including myself as a head coach. The number one job for a head coach is to build the culture and the foundation of a team, and you know it doesn't, it doesn't matter how good of a coach you are. I mean, he's an amazing coach, but like really it's like how can you bring your guys together? How can you get the right people in there with the right mentality? And there's not a better person in the world than Kalani of doing that. Third down and six. Snap the ball. Wilson throws it deep. Oh, my goodness. Receiver wide open. Caught in Tennessee territory. Simon inside the 30. Clock is rolling down. He's tackled at the 16 with seven seconds left. The clock will stop to reset the chains, and then BYU will have to get up there and spike the ball. It's good. Tennessee thought he missed it. Yep, it's Williams. Pushing toward the end zone. And no signal yet. Now there it is. Touchdown, BYU wins. And an absolutely horrific, gut-wrenching loss for the Tennessee Vols, who had it with about 30 seconds left in regulation but couldn't hang on beating Tennessee uh, away in front of 100,000 fans was probably one of the coolest things to win, win in an end-of-the-game situation and then come back and beat USC the week after. I think that was probably the highlight of my career. He'll throw it here on first down. Pressure up the middle. Wilson gets away from trouble. Oh, wide open receiver. It's caught inside the 20 by Romney. That was Manziel of an empty set here. It's a design quarterback run for Wilson straight ahead. First down and touchdown! BYU has the lead again. Slovis is going to throw it. Zips it. This is tipped. It was picked up. The game is over. It is intercepted. The Wallach who got it for the Cougars. The thing that happens a lot more now is the post-snap decisions that the quarterback makes. Um, the run-pass option has completely changed the game, and so the quarterback is making a decision whether to hand the football off or run it if he's the runner and you have a designed quarterback run, or throw the football based on what happens post-snap, based on the defense that the defense presents. Certainly, we teach him all of that. Coach Roderick does a great job of teaching him all of those things that he might see, but still, at that split second, he has to make a decision based on what the defense presents. Time and time again, when you're when you're coming from behind and you're trying to you know bring your team team back from from being down, I just think you get used to to being in those situations. When you're prepared, uh, you know what's going on. You know it's you know you when you can just tell yourself, you know I've been here before. Then it gets easier to be able just to say, hey, you know what, calm down and, and let's work through this. You know because this is where, you know I always tell myself this is where the elite players shine is when when you're under pressure. That's Algier in motion into the backfield. Wilson. Little shovel pass and Lake's in. Touchdown, Mason Lake. What a play call. 
You think screen here, Andre? Screen or draw? Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. I believe in attacking from start to finish. And, you know, and this is BYU, too. And when I, when I was hired here, Kalani, Kalani told me we need to throw the ball down the field like we did in the old days. And that was, uh, you know, the first year we were a little more cautious about it. We were trying not to be too reckless. But each year we've gotten a little more aggressive. And, you know, BYU football, people want to see the, the ball in the air. I was a running back playing in an offensive system. And, uh, and, and I think that gave me a different perspective on the, on, on the defensive coaching side, you know, and uh, allowed me to learn more about football. But I, I think I remember the days of meeting with Norm Chow and our coaches, and we all met together. We knew what everyone was doing on the field. And uh, myself as a running back knew what the tight end was doing. We knew what the receivers were doing. It was a, a, a great learning experience for me to know what all the other 10 guys on the field are doing. And as I'm on the sideline, knowing what everyone on the field is supposed to do that's currently on the field, all 11, and, and knowing when something breaks down, it, it's, it's a huge compliment to the, the, the um, I guess, the foundation that those coaches laid here, you know, that, that carried on throughout those years and even got into different, when, when different head coaches took over, there was a standard that was already set from the past, and it's been an honor now for me coming back as a coach to see that it still uh, still has its presence here. When you get to 8-0, 7-0, 9-0, you know, to be able to, it doesn't matter who you're playing, it's hard to stand defeated, you know, and every single week to have the same mentality of, like, you know, we got to be on our game this week because this team's going to give us their best shot. They know how good we are. Um, I think was was so impressive because you know every every single week the guys came and we we gave it everything we had and um, we had a good time doing it together and we made a lot of memories. Inches shy of a first down and into Tyler Algier.